So, hope everyone's week was good. Um, I have a story that doesn't have anything to do with anything we'll talk about, but it's like, I have to tell it because it's a perfect, it's a perfect small picture of my life as a 34-year-old father. This is like the most right story for my house to have in it that there is. So, uh, the Bulwares babysat our, our kids Friday night, and we went out to Eastside Cafe, and we, we actually were out more than 45 minutes before we retired and came home, which was awesome. It was awesome. We were very proud of ourselves. We came back like, notice how long it's been? Almost two hours. Uh, what'd you think? So we, they had all that going for us. Well, it was a solid. It was. It was. It was really close. So they made cookies with our, our boys, though, which was super kind of them, and gave them, I think, only one, which was even nicer of them, not to <laughs> cookie them up for us. And then they also played with Play-Doh, which who would, who would think that that's a wrong combo? That's not. It's, it's super fun, right? Play with Play-Doh, make cookies, super great day, unless you live in my house the next morning. So I woke up in the morning with two little boys being like, and we saw the cookies when we got home, so we knew they'd make cookies. Woke me up and was like, hey, Dada. I, and both of them were there just grinning, you know, in the morning, coming to wake me up, which is super cute. And he's like, Dada, I have, I have a good morning cookie for you. I, we have a good morning cookie for you for, for morning, because for, it's good morning. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. You know, and I'm like, so tired, and the light is still off. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay, that's great. So I was like, here you go, hand it to me. And he's like, here you go, here you go, it's delicious. And I bit it. It was a Play-Doh cookie. It's a complete Play-Doh cookie. 100% not a real cookie. 100%. At the texture of a peanut butter cookie, which was awesome. At the taste of a Play-Doh cookie in every way. And I took a really serious bite, too. It wasn't like I was playing around with cookie, you know? I was like, it's a good morning cookie my sons gave me. I'm going to show how much I love it. I did not love it. I did not love it at all. Right away. But that is like, just so, this, that's a, it's our life in the most our life way. So I just had to tell you because it was funny. Um, anyway, that's all. So, so last week, um, talked about Ananias and Sapphira, which was a blast, right? I think we all enjoyed that so much. Um, any, any quick uh, update or something? I don't want to say what was something that surprised you about Ananias and Sapphira, because you'd all say the same thing. But any quick uh, thing that maybe meant something to you from last week or that, you know, was surprising in a way that wasn't, you know terribly threateningly scary or something. Anyone? Oh, it's great. Are you kidding me? No, nothing? What happens in the story? Someone just tell me, just give me a summary. They Ananias and Sephiroth. What's your name? Sapphira, either way. I, I don't know if I'm saying that. It's fine. They are sell their land and give some of the money that they, that they earned to the church, but kept some of it for their own yeah. prosperity or what have you. Yeah. And then, uh, and then just die. <laughs> and then they just die. That's a pretty good summary. Pretty good summary. Do you want to add something, Lil? <laughs> Did you raise your, do you want to add something to this? Oh, no, I just oh, okay. Right, this deception piece. Anything else about the story? God struck them dead. Struck them dead, right? <laughs> they didn't just die. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. They were 
smoted, if you will. Right. What else? Anything else? Okay. So with that story, though, it kind of goes from there. Um, and it again it begins talking about kind of this, this power and these, these miracles and these things that aren't just people, normal religious things that are happening in their community. And that story is there for, for more than a few reasons. It, obviously, it's there for like, I, I feel the most important part and the most um, crucial part of that story is it's, it's this vision or view of God protecting this, this act of sacrificial giving and this act of generosity and this act of oneness, this, this we that this church is beginning to create, protecting that from these people that wanted it, instead of it to be a we, wanted it to be a look at us. We want, we want esteem here. We want to be seen as those who are giving more than we are. Which again, Peter in the story says, was it not your land to begin with? Was it not yours to give whatever you wanted to give? You didn't have to deceive us. You didn't have to try to, to trick us into thinking you were giving all your property, all the, all the money from your property. And so we have this idea of, of this, this being serious to damage the purity that was being created here by this early church and by this, this sacrificial giving and generosity and taking care of one another and being a we, a one, Right? And, and about that, and, and Brian did a great job the week before, it's something that still is like ringing in my ear, about, about this idea of being such a one that we plan for our future as a, as a this. So like when Lily and I plan in our future for, for our sons or financially or um, where we'll be at in our careers or whatever else, to plan that with you as not just a part of that, but one of the deciding, if not the driving force of that. Us planning around you and around an us, right? And that's just something that our culture doesn't understand well and seems silly or crazy or so, so far of a different culture because that's just not how we are. That's not how we grow. We do what's best for us, right? Too much of the time even. In, in marriages, people would say, no, you do what's best for the you, the single, not even the two of you or the four people in your family, much less the body of church that you're a part of that you say is your family. So talking about that and moving forward, we find more here about what God is doing and how God is setting up the church to not only look, but how this church acts and is seen by the world. And this is what's important here, is we start to get a view of how this early group of people is seen by the community and world around them. Okay? So let's read, and again, we're, we're going to not talk too, too long this morning, so it's going to be a smaller passage, I think. But it's in verse 12 in Acts 5. It says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. Not, or none of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that even so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter would come by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Read it again. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. 
And they were all together in Solomon's portico. Not one of them dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. And as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were healed. What are y'all's initial thoughts and reactions to just seeing that on screen or reading that? What's your thought? Or something that's interesting or shocking or whatever else? Something that struck me was like, it seems like it's very similar to how the Gospels read with Jesus. I feel like there's almost like a find and replace Jesus' name for apostles and Peter. It does seem like that, doesn't it? So, in, in stories about Jesus, similar things, right? He couldn't even go places. There'd be so many people, crowds and multitudes of people just trying to touch him or see him, right? And we even have a story of there's crowds and crowds of people. He can't even get to where he's going, right? He hears this, this little girl is sick and she may die, right? And he can't even, he tries to go there and can't. There's too many people. And this lady just kind of reaches out and just touches his clothes. And she's healed just from the power of Jesus and touching his clothes. Here, we have a similar story. It says that people are even bringing people on mats and cots and laying them where Peter may walk. And he walks there, and his shadow falls on some of them. And I'm assuming, from the story, and from stories we're going to find later, that that does it and heals them, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's wild. <laughs> I mean, the word unbelievable comes up because of how our culture is. Because to us, that's really hard to believe. It's really hard to picture because, and I want to ask this, and this is what's in my head this whole week thinking about this passage. What version of this have we seen in our culture, in our life? Those TV, like, fake healers. Yeah. And it knocks them down on the ground, right? And it's a, it's a, it's a show is what it looks like to me. And I'm not saying all of that is, is false or wrong. But it, it is presented differently than what rings true or what rings reasonable or like humble in any way right or, or something like that and that's that's what we have in our head I think a lot of us unfortunately we have this version of Peter standing there and and as he's calling people up asking for more money and then smashing them like this and then falling out and being and and that's the problem for us that's that's a problem. Because again, from there to now, there has been so much um, impurity and selfishness and distrust and very disgusting things enter this world of, of miracle and healing and Holy Spirit and beauty and purity in that way of this church. And it, it's hard for us to imagine that being wonderful and beautiful. Being very honest. It's hard for us to imagine this being something we want. Because a lot of us, you're probably at Church of East because you definitely don't want to be at a church that's maybe acting that way or doing that or, or on television doing that, right? Probably, because we don't do that. 
as much. Not even as much. At all. I said as much. <laughs> That's completely false. That was just trying to think of the next thing to say. I said as much. It's not as much. We have not done that. Ever. <laughs> right? Not even in a long time. Nothing like that. But we're laughing at us not doing that because of how it's grown to be not attractive. And that is something so interesting. And I wonder about us when that's a little bit unattractive. When, when the Holy Spirit displaying itself in miraculous things that Jesus actually did walking around with people, we see that and we're like, ooh, that's weird. I'm glad that's not how it works anymore, right? Or if that's what Austin did this morning, I don't think I would like that, right? But that doesn't seem like, you know, that's for that time. I'm glad it was for that time. And that is legitimately, I think, how we feel. That's, that is, unfortunately, I have to fight feeling that very seriously. That is hard. And what does that mean about us? What does that mean about the way we see the Holy Spirit? What does that mean about the way we, we want to display our faith in action? Because I think a lot of us would be very comfortable like going and, and volunteering or, or walking. And then I'm not saying this is, not, this is any less or any special because we're doing it. And so I hope it's wonderful and grand. But our vision of seeing the Holy Spirit in action is us you know, going to serve the poor or, or working with foster care families or being a part of adoptions or doing these things, which is true. And we really feel that way, and that's why we're doing it. This, though, we'll pass on, I feel like. I feel like this is a little much. It's, then we'd be the crazy church, or we'd be the, you know, the healing church, or whatever else it is, and I don't know about that, right? We would, we would feel there would be some discomfort for us. And I just, this week have just been so, not, not just this week, but concerned for what that means about us, right? And I wonder if we've also allowed, not just the culture at large, but this Christian subculture to tell us how the Holy Spirit acts and doesn't, and we've believed it and listened to it and said, okay. We've let our backgrounds of Christian subculture, some of us, some of us don't have that, which is good for you, but we've let that kind of tell us what's okay and acceptable and socially okay to grow our church for the Holy Spirit to do in the midst of us, and then the things that those other churches do that we don't identify with and we're not a part of. And I wonder about that. And I wonder if so many of us think we're so counter this Christian subculture, I wonder if that's really true. Because we'll hear this story and we'll be like, oh man, that was amazing. Pray for that to happen in the midst of us. I don't know. That's a little bit much. You know. That's a little bit. I don't know if we want to do that. And I just, I'm concerned by that because here's what happens as they do this. And more than ever, more than ever, Believers were being added to their number, multitudes of both men and women, so that even they carried the sick into the streets, laid them on cots, they put them on mats, so that Peter could at least just walk by and 
shadow not fall on them. The people also gathered from all the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those affected by unclean spirits, and they were healed. Here's, here's the reality of this story, though. People were, were finding their tangible needs met. They were no longer starving. They were getting food. They were no longer lonely, but they had community. But also, they were no longer lepers. They were cured of their leprosy. They were no longer lame and begging. They could run and jump and work. Not only were they, were they sick and outcast because of it, they were brought into community because they were made well. People's mothers didn't die when they thought they were going to. People's kids didn't pass away. Instead, they lived and became adults that their families could love. This was 